Aren't you glad he signed your pardon? Hallelujah. We're here because he signed our pardon. We've been set free from the prison walls of sin because he signed our pardon. Do we deserve it? Not at all. But aren't you glad for mercy? I'm glad for grace. Glad for his love. There's no way fully to describe it all. But thank God tonight for the pardon, uh, for pardoning us. Were we guilty? Absolutely. When we came to him that night, I think of that night, oh my, what, 55 years ago, this uh, month of October, uh, I came to Jesus, I was guilty, but I'm so glad he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Hallelujah. Well, ladies, you did a great job uh, singing. Appreciate it so very, very much. Praise God. And it's so good to see this fine crowd on this Wednesday night. Thank you so much for being in the house of God. It means so much to uh, church to have faithful people, and I'm so glad that you're in the house of God tonight. I want you to turn with me tonight to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Thank you to Gary and Ruth for providing a nice meal for us today at the restaurant. Appreciate it that so much. Enjoy the fellowship with the Shapers as well. And thank you very much. So good to have you tonight, Brother Sister Shaper. <clears throat> so glad that you're here. Stand, if you will, please, for the reading of the Word. We're going to begin our reading with verse number 13, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read just a few verses down through verse number 16. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, again for the privilege to be in the house of God. We thank you for your presence that we've sensed this evening Thank you, Lord, for signing our pardon and freeing us from the chains of sin and iniquity, putting us on a new road. It's a highway of holiness, and I thank you for it, O God. I pray now, Lord, that thou will help us as we endeavor to deliver the message that we feel that you have laid upon our heart for this service tonight. May our hearts be open, and may we sense that unction and anointing that only comes from Thee, and Lord, for all that You do, we'll give You the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. My text would be in verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing 
but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. In this portion of Scripture tonight, the Lord shows us what we, as individuals who profess to follow Him, should be. We are the salt of the earth. And the reason is to preserve the world from uh, putrefaction and destruction. One in describing the valley of salt in the land of Judea said, Along on one side of the valley toward Kibble, there is a small precipice about 12 feet occasioned by the continual taking away of salt. And in this, you may see how the veins of it lie. That's the veins of the, the mineral salt. He broke a piece of it that had been exposed to the rain, to the sun, and to the air. He broke it off, <clears throat> but it still had the sparkle. It still had the particles of salt, yet it had totally lost its savor. He said the inner part, which was connected to the rock, retained its savor. This is the picture of one today who may have glitter, may have sparkle, but has lost the unction because they lost the connection to the rock. There are individuals today that have the glitter and they have the sparkle. But the question tonight we want to talk about is do we have that savor of the salt? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm an individual that likes salt. I see some head shaking. There's some, I think there's some of you that like salt. I was to the doctor here oh, some time ago, and I was having just a little problem with my blood pressure. It was spiking some, and, and he was saying, now you're going to have to lay off the salt. Now, I didn't like those words. I said, but I use it on most everything. I, I mean, there's, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm a gardener. Uh, I, told, I told some of you, I guess of today, I grew up on the farm. We were dairy farmers. And uh, uh, so I learned to garden at home. And, uh, and I have a large garden now. So uh, <clears throat> all kinds of produce. I mean, I, I salt almost everything. Whether it's watermelon and cantaloupe and, and uh, honeydew or apples or, pardon me, but even peaches. I just like salt. I have a brother, my, oldest, my brother was talking about last night that's not a Christian. My brother and I uh, both, we're the ones that eat a lot of salt. By the way, my blood pressure has leveled out and I'm back to eating salt again and I love it. Okay? <clears throat> and I hope it still stays that way. But uh, why do I like salt? Why do you like salt? There's a flavor that it has. And what it really does, it brings the flavor of the food out. And, uh, and you, just, you just have to have it. And by the way, your body needs some salt. I know sometimes we overdo it, but it needs some salt. <clears throat> but what did Jesus say? He said, ye are the salt of the earth. We are God's chosen people to flavor this world. God designed it that way. 
Glenn Griffith. <clears throat> Some of you pray maybe knew of Glenn Griffith. Great man of God was in, uh, he preached a message one time and he told the story. It's only an illustration. But he told the story that after Jesus had died and, and resurrected and ascended into heaven, that when he returned back to the city, he was met there by a band of angels and they welcomed him back home to heaven. And uh, they were com commenting on what he had done and purchasing redemption for man and, um, uh, and, you know, and, and, and all of the, the wonderful things that were done as a result of his death on the cross and, of course, the resurrection. And then they said to him, again, it was only an illustration, <clears throat> Now, Jesus, you've gone to the earth, you gave your life, and now you've come back home. Who's going to tell the message? Jesus said, I want you to look down in the upper room there in the city of Jerusalem. <clears throat> there are 120 that are gathered there. They're going to take the message of the gospel. And as the illustration goes, but if they don't, what other plan do you have? And they said that Jesus bowed his head and said, I have no other plan. The plan that Jesus designed was that you and I are to be the light and to be the salt in this world. <clears throat> he has chosen us to make a difference. I've pastored one church for 16 years. It was the second church that I, in fact, I told you a little bit about it last night, the second church that I actually pastored. And we were there for 16. God gave us 16 good years. And... Um, we were getting ready to leave, and we were doing a uh, yard sale, and uh, uh, our neighbor from across the street, he was up in years, he had, uh, uh, we were great friends, and he watched our little daughter grow up. Marie was just two years old when we got there, and now she was, she was 18, getting ready to leave, and, and as at the yard sale, uh, he had walked over to see what we were selling, and uh, he looked at Marie, and he said, Marie, he said, I watched you grow up. He said, I saw different boys come to the house. And that was all right, okay? But he said, I watched you grow up. I saw different ones come to the house, and now you're leaving. And this is what he said. He said, go make a difference in the world. Go make a difference in the world. And do you know tonight, I believe that that's a message for us. Go make a difference in the world. And when we look at this scripture that we read tonight, and Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth, I want to look at this uh, thought tonight for a while, the Lord helping us. And first of all, <clears throat> salt, speaking of salt, salt is flavorable because it has flavoring qualities. Salt produces flavor. And I believe we could say salt produces works. We are to flavor this world and display to the world that Christ is alive in us. Do you know you and I may be the only Jesus that the world may, will ever see? <clears throat> I, I, love, uh, I loved as a pastor to be able to reach out. Uh, we... We had a bit of a bus ministry 
uh, when I pastored, and we lo- I loved to bring in little children. In fact, my daughter, uh, as she grew up for her 16th birthday, most kids want a car or something like that. You know what she asked for? She asked for a Betty Lucan's Bible and Felt series for her 16th birthday. She would go up behind the church. Um, there was a government housing development there. And she would go up there, and sometimes with me, we'd knock on doors and try to get people to come to church. On a Sunday morning, she would go up by herself, and she would lead little children down to the church. There was something in her that uh, uh, she wanted to reach out. And um, in one of of the occasions, it was not up behind the church where we were pastoring, but on another street, there was a... We got word one time that there was a, a young couple that had moved into the Lewistown area from the state of Arizona. It was in the early part of March, and in Pennsylvania, March is not a pleasant month, or at least sometimes it's not. You can get anything in March. You can go, you can go from nice weather. You know, we always look for the robins to come, and we're ready for spring. We're tired of winter, but sometimes winter just lings on. This particular uh, time, it was rainy, and it was cold, And this young couple had come in from the state of Arizona with some friends that promised them that they would have a job for them when they got to Lewistown. And when they got there, there was no job and no place to live, and they were in a tent out along what we call the Juniata River. And they had a little nine-month-old baby. One of the ladies of the church got in contact with us and said, we've got to do something. We said, yes, we will get them and bring them into the parsonage. And um, they did. They brought them into the parsonage. And uh, there was a young lady um, and um, her husband. And um, he, uh, uh, I mean, they, they were dirty. You can imagine living in the tent, no place to clean up. And uh, they had the baby in a plastic bag, literally. In a plastic bag, of course, its head was out, but they tried to do their best to keep it dry. We gave them, we gave them our, our bathrooms where they could clean up and so forth. We searched. We found an apartment for them. We paid their first month rent. We got them in, got them some groceries, and uh, that was the, the beginning of a relationship that we built with the Cornwell family. They lived there for a few years, and, in the process, and then the, the longer started part of the story was Ken, the husband, walked off and left her. After they had uh, two more children, so now there are three little boys in the family. We continue to bring the little children into church. I would pick them up on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> One day, I showed up at their house on a Saturday, knocking on their door to, ch- to call on them, to get them ready, make sure that they were coming to church. The next day, I was going to be there to pick them up. The little two-year-old boy, a three-year-old boy, I think he was at the time, he Heard the knock, he came to the door, he cracked the door open. This is no reference to myself in any, any way to draw attention to myself, but he saw who was at the door. He ran back to his mother and he said, Mom, Jesus is at the door. Do you know why he said that? Because at church, he learned about Jesus. We are the only Jesus that some people will ever see. That family moved out of town. I hadn't seen them in a number of years. And, and uh, we at Penview for a number of years, we had benefit auctions. And here, not too many years ago, uh, we had a benefit auction. And, and somebody called out my name, which I was always involved in the auction right up front and everything. And uh, hadn't seen this family in years. And this lady was at the auction 
she got out of her seat, came up to the front where I was at, and just wrapped her arms around me and hugged me. She said, I haven't seen you in such a long time. And uh, I likewise said the same to her. But we need to be salt in this world. Do you know who we're representing? Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Every person that has a job, at least some, let's put it this way. I was with you today, Gary. Just learned today that you're an insurance agent. You represent some companies. You represent them, I'm sure, in a good way. I flew out here in American Airlines. Those, those pilots had an American Airline uh, suit on. They represented that company. And they represented it well. They got us here safely. Okay? You and I are representing Jesus Christ. And we're giving some kind of a flavor to the world. And I believe tonight we need to display to the world that Christ is alive in us. Oh, thank God this is not a dead religion. Thank God this is not something that's dry. Thank God this is not something that makes us sad. I was working in the factory. I worked in a cabinet factory for five years <clears throat> in the early uh, days of our marriage. And uh, one day, one of the, my fellow employees said something to me that really troubled me. He said to me, he said, John, he said, somebody saw you in town the other night, and he said, you look so sad. And I thought to myself, now that's pitiful. That's pitiful. I've got to do something about that. Do you know we can smile even if we don't feel like it? And I tried to change that frown and put on a smile. And I learned one thing in pastoring. They're not, all, not all the time do you feel like you want to smile. And even after a service, sometimes your message didn't go just quite like you thought it should. And you really didn't think, uh, feel like smiling. But if you met the people at the door with a smile, it made something, it made it different for them. I wonder what we do when we go into Walmart. Do we carry a smile? You're still with me, aren't you? I wonder what we're like when we take something back that didn't work very good. And we go up to that poor girl that works at the service counter. Say, I don't know why you sell such stupid things like this. My wife worked at a seller service counter before we were married. She knows some of the things that was done. What kind of a flavor are we giving to the world? We need to show them that there's joy in this, thank God. We need to show in our own home that there's joy in serving the Lord. I like to see happy homes. I really do. I, I love... I, um, I've watched families, which I've had occasion over the years in pastoring, but then being at the school, you get, you get so acquainted with homes, and, and you, you can tell the homes typically that are happy and those that are not happy, but I wonder what kind of joy we have in our home. Maybe I better be careful here. I could get to meddling, but you know, sometimes what happens when we come out to church, we put on a total different disposition than when we get behind closed doors and how we act with each other. I shouldn't be here, should I? 
but it has an effect on our children. And I don't see a lot of little children here tonight. We've got a few up here. But I had a girl come to me one day in the halls of our school. She was an academy student. She said to me, Brother Zekman, I don't know where to go to church. I called her my name and I said, I don't understand that. Your daddy's a pastor. She said, but Brother Zekman, you don't know how he lives at home. She said, and I don't know where to go to church. Now, that's an indictment. But Lord, help us to have flavor that is good, not only when we come into church and here we're with brothers and sisters, and thank God we testify, but when we go home, do we still conduct ourselves in the way that we do when we're here in church? Amen? Lord, help us to show the joy. Lord, help us to show that this is not a dead religion. Lord, help us to show that this satisfies. Praise God. And we display to the world that He has made a difference in us. That he's delivered us from sin. Oh, thank God. I'm glad. Uh, as I was sitting on the plane yesterday, I was uh, flying from Harrisburg down to Charlotte, North Carolina to catch the flight out here to Tulsa. And uh, you never know who you're going to sit with. And there was a young man that was sitting at the window. And, uh, and I was on the aisle seat. There was a seat between us. And, uh, and we, we got to talk to him just a little bit. And he said, I'm going to see my daddy. He said, I haven't seen my daddy in better than 10 years. I asked him some of the story, and, I, and his name was Gabriel. If you think of Gabriel, pray for him. He met his daddy some, probably sometime yesterday after he got off the plane. He said, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. He said, my daddy just came in from Puerto Rico about the time of the hurricane that hit there a year ago. And he said, uh, he said my daddy's been gone, and, um, uh, and, I, and we got to talking about the church. And, and uh, I said, you know something, Gabriel? I said, you can know, you can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that every sin is forgiven. He said, I know that there, he said, some of my family go to church, but I have a different belief. Well, at least I had an opportunity to look at him and say, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. Oh, may our heart and our life be such that those who, who see us, those that rub shoulders with us, are able to sense the flavor of salt, if you please. Jesus Christ makes a difference in our heart and life. <clears throat> Also, that we don't have to pursue the things of the world to satisfy us. Amen. Amen. Thank God we're not bound by the, the things of the world. We have to seek after those things to satisfy us. Jesus Christ has been the satisfying portion of my life. My mother, uh, and I'll talk some more about my mother. My mother was, the, was just honestly one of the most godly persons I ever knew in my life. She lived till she was 95 years old. My first memory, a recollection of my, of my childhood uh, was while my mother was praying. I was the youngest of the family. I'm the baby of the family. I told my family, older, my brothers and my sister, I said, they saved the best to last, but my brothers and sisters didn't agree to that. <laughs> my mother had all eight-month baby, babies but me. She carried me nine months. And I told my family I'm the only one fully developed. They didn't believe that either. <laughs> but while my mother was praying, crying and praying for the family, I would play around my mother. My mother didn't pray just a three or four or five minute prayer. My mother, when she went to prayer, she prayed. She prayed a long time. That's the earliest memory I have in my life. But I watched my mother I never found my mother being critical at home. 
I never found my mother displaying an attitude that wasn't right. We grew up on the dairy farm. My, my mother was, she was, she was chief of, 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 the, of the, uh, the dairy part of it. And uh, she took care of the, the paperwork and knew all the things when the cows were supposed to, to, to calve and all that good stuff. Mother took care of all of that. She carried a heavy responsibility at the barn, cooked our meals. We never, oh, I shouldn't get into this. We never had bought in foods. I mean, as far as meals. She made it all. She baked our bread, all that good stuff, okay? But I never saw an attitude from my mother that was not right. When my mother died at 95... My mother still had her mind up until she had a stroke on a Saturday and uh, she passed away Sunday, I'm sorry, Monday evening. And at my mother's funeral, the church was packed. Our sister back here, you've been to the Beavertown Church, attended there for a while. And the church there was packed when my mother's funeral was held. You know, some of the te- we talk about generation gaps between older people and young people. There was never a generation gap between my mother and, and those teenagers. They, they came to the funeral and they said, Sister Zekman had an influence on our life. You know what it was? She was displaying a flavor of spiritual salt until they saw something that was genuine and something that's real and saw something that was satisfying. And I wonder, do we convey to a world that what we have, we're satisfied with it tonight. And Jesus Christ is the satisfying portion of our life. We don't have to follow all the latest fads and the fashions to be happy. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God. Saves a lot of money. <laughs> but a whole lot more than that. We're not having to follow that to make, ourselves, to make ourselves happy. We don't have to make our churches like the worldly churches in order to hold a crowd. Thank God. There are those that have gone to the contemporary services Thank God you haven't gone to that, and you don't have to. You don't know why? Because when God's on the scene, that's what makes the difference. When God's on the scene, that's the attraction. Hallelujah. We had a revival back in Beavertown many, many years ago, 1971. In fact, God was on the scene. We had a five and a half week revival. We never had to continue to get on the radio and announce that the revival had, had gone on. But God's presence was on the scene and the church was packed night after night after night. Do you know why? God's presence makes the difference. God's presence makes the difference. Also, we display to the world that He makes a difference in us and that today, in today's society, there seems to be no longer a distinction between what is right and what is wrong. Everything is gray. It's neither black nor white. But I'm glad, thank God, we can still convey to a world that what is right, and we stand for it wholeheartedly. Amen. Thank God. And when I think of this, I think of the next generation. I think of the generation that's coming on. And what will we have for the next generation? If we lose our holiness heritage and influence in this generation, what will we have for the next generation? What will we have for the young people coming on? We must be salt and light in this present generation. Back some years ago, we were, as a conference, we were going through some difficult times. And uh, we... uh, of course, 
you know, there were some times things were discussed in our home and in front of Marie, our daughter, that probably shouldn't have been discussed. And as we were driving back to town one night, my wife was saying to Marie, Marie was probably about 16 years of age at the time, and, and she said, now Marie, she said, mother and daddy are getting ready to pass a torch to you, and you younger people are going to have to pick up this torch and carry it. And my daughter made a statement to us that hit us very, very hard. And this is what she said. What kind of a torch are you handing us? Because we were going through some difficult times as our conference. There was strife. There was division. There was tension. And she said to us, what kind of a torch are you handing us? And I ask you tonight, as we look to the next generation, what kind of a torch are you going to hand to the next generation? Is it a torch of, of uh, unity? Is it a torch of brotherly and sisterly love? Is it a torch that is, uh, is, is filled with God's presence? Or is it a torch where there's been some strife and there's been some antagonism and all those things that go along with it? Oh, may God help us tonight not to pass that kind of a torch onto the next generation. We are attempting to influence for right. So, let me ask you a few questions. Are we careful in how we act? Are you careful in how you act? In the process of standing for right, what attitude do we display? I've been there where there's been some discussions, biblical discussions. And someone so strong in pressing their point until the attitude got out of place. That's not worth it. Are you still with me? Yeah. So in the process of standing for right, what attitude do we display? Are we concerned about those who are watching our lives? Do we think before we act? Do we think before we speak? Do we think of the things that we're about to say and who it's going to hurt and how it's going to influence and what impact it's going to have? My grandson, somebody told me last night he knew my grandson and I don't know where you are. Who was it that told me last night? There you are. My grandson, Jameson. And I've been extremely close. We only have two grandchildren, Jameson and Jennifer, and, and I'm close to both of them. But Jameson was the firstborn, and I got to spend a little bit of time with him before James, uh, Jennifer came along. And, uh, and Jameson, uh, one time he and I were out walking, and there was snow, and it was fairly deep snow. Uh, and, and as I was walking along, I was taking some pretty good steps, big steps. My grandson was walking behind me. And he was doing it like this, trying to get into my footsteps. I realized what he was doing, and I thought, I will step shorter so he can walk in my footsteps. But those kids are walking in our footsteps. You following me? We would go into a restaurant and sit down to eat, and they would ask what we wanted to drink, and he'd look over at me, and he said... Um, and finally, I would answer, and he said, I'll, say, I'll take the same thing Popple's getting. Now, let me tell you, 
that throws an awesome responsibility on us. We've been extremely close. He's been in contact with me. There's not many days go by that we are not in contact with each other. We hunt together. We fish together. I could tell you stories, but I don't have time to do that. But they're watching. They're trying to step in our footsteps. Are we concerned about those who are watching our lives? And I know there's a few of us in here that are senior citizens. Somebody gave me a compliment today. I don't know if they meant it, but they said he doesn't look old enough to be on Medicare. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> but I am. <clears throat> but you know something that can happen to us when we get older? We can get cranky. Did you know that? We can. Older people can get cranky. Oh, I pray that I never get cranky. One of my nephews, <laughs> oh, oh, one of my nephews just said to, to my grandson on Sunday, just a few days ago, said, you tell your papa, he better never get like my dad, and he better never get like uncle so-and-so, if he does, he's going to be in real trouble. <laughs> but we can get cranky. Lord, help us not to get that way. But you know something else that can happen to us? We can get so soft that we don't take a stand against anything anymore. We can get a grandpa's heart. And a grandpa's heart gives in a lot. You know that? My daughter said to me one time, she said, Dad, she said, you would have never let me get by with those things. I said, oh, Marie, Daddy's learned better. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about something like that. Just some other things. Lord, help us not to get so soft that we give in to those things that we know are not right. But on the other hand, don't let us get cranky until we drive. Are you still with me? Am I getting through? <clears throat> Do you know why? Because we're salt. We're salt. We're the salt of the earth. <clears throat> Pardon me. And let it start at home. Let it start in Jerusalem. Let it start in Jerusalem. And then let it go to Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the world. If I'm effective with you out here in Kansas and I'm not effective with my own family, shame on me. That's right. Let it start in Jerusalem. Let it start right at home. But I notice that not only are we the salt of the earth, and flavoring. But I want you to notice this. What good is the salt in the shaker? What good is the salt if it stays in the shaker? I understand you've had quite a bit of rain here recently. We've had more rain in Pennsylvania this summer than we ever had. I believe it's 50-some inches of rain we've had. We've had floods. It's been unreal in Pennsylvania. And, uh, but it hasn't affected our crops as much as apparently you had some dry weather, I understand, and it's affected some of your crops. They told us the other day, I was told that we have corn that's actually sprouting. The, 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 they have not, the the uh, corn's not been harvested, some of it, and the kernels are actually sprouting on the cob. Never heard of that. You're, you guys are, you're, you're grain farmers, I understand. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and in our kitchen cabinets, we have salt shakers. Do you know what happened to the salt? It got so much moisture until you pick it up and can't get anything out. It just clogs the holes in the top of the shaker. You know what I'm talking about. Let me ask you a question. What good is the salt in the shaker? If I sat down to a breakfast, and it's, you know, you just can't eat eggs without salt, okay? And I take the salt shaker, and I do this number, and nothing's coming out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a toothpick. I'm going to do something, and I'm going to open those holes. And it may clog up again. And if that's the case, I'm going to take the top off. Because I'm going to get some salt. You follow me? Why would we want to keep this to ourselves? Why would we want to keep this message of the gospel to, the, to ourselves? It is time. It is time that we get outside the salt shaker. It's time that we get outside the four walls. There's a world out here. There's needy people out here. There's individuals that need the message of the gospel. And I know that it's not always, in, again, in, in the way that we preach, but individuals are going to have to get outside the salt shaker, if you please, and influence the world. We've got to do it. It's time that we quit feeling sorry for ourselves and get the juniper tree syndrome where Elijah, under the juniper tree, said, Lord, just let me die. I'm the only one left. There's nobody else that wants this way. God said, in fact, the Lord sent an angel down to Elijah. I believe he tapped him on the shoulder and said, Elijah, get up from there. Get up from there. And then he gave him something to eat. I'm glad the Lord doesn't just simply ask of us to give and he not give us something to go on. He gave him something to eat. Elijah eats it and lays back down and goes to sleep. God sends the angel the second time. Taps Elijah on the shoulder and said, Elijah, wake up. And the angel again gives him some more angel's food. He said, Elijah, I want you to know there's 7,000 out here that have not bowed their knees to Baal. I want you to know something tonight. We're not the only ones. But there's a world out here that we've got to reach. There's a world we must get in contact with. And do you know tonight, you and I must be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, would you use me? Oh, yes, use Brother uh, Morford. He's the pastor. Lord, use him. But wait, what about you? What about you? You're the sheep. Lord, help us to bring forth lambs. Help us to bring forth lambs into the fold. Use me, oh God. We've been placed here for such a time as this. And I believe we need to let them know. Let me tell you a story. My wife had a brother who was not a Christian. He lived in Ohio. He had two children. He had a daughter and then a son. His son now married and has had his own family. And they started going to a certain church. And they started listening to radio, and I think they were given some tapes or something, or CDs, something, and they were listening to the fact that Jesus is coming back. And he went to his daddy, and he said, Dad, he said, 
Jesus is coming back. And begin to talk about the return of the Lord. My wife's brother, whose name was Jim, we always called him Bud. Bud said, Keith, I know he's coming back. Keith looked at his daddy and he said, Dad, you knew that? Yes, Dad, Keith, I knew. I know that Jesus is coming back. He said, why didn't you tell us? He raised his own children, never told them about the coming of Jesus. Oh, God, help us to be salt that's outside the shaker. Help us to get outside the shaker. It's time that we quit feeling like staying in the shaker because we are holier than thou. You know, people develop that kind of a feeling, and they never want to get their hands dirty. I'm not talking about grease. It does its good every once in a while to get that on our hands, too. But, you know, if you're going to get out here in the world and you're going to witness, you're going to get your hands dirty because you're going to run into some situations that's not pleasant. You're going to run into situations where people are living terrible lives. You know what? Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. And he said, what? Go tell the story. Go tell the story. They came back rejoicing because they were able to cast demons out and all that good stuff. What did Jesus say? Rejoice because your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. But he sent them out. And do you know, in this world in which we live, we're going to get our hands dirty because of the way people are living. But I believe it's a way of rescuing the perishing. It's a way of reaching out and saying, we're here to help you. We can't in ourselves solve their problem, but I'm glad he can. Do you believe that? There's mixed up messes. There's marriage and divorces or remarriage and all that kind of stuff. You know, I can't solve all that problem, but I know God can. Amen? Oh, God, help us tonight. Sometimes we hold ourselves aloft, aloof from others. We don't go here, and we don't go there, and we don't do this, and we don't do that. And we get pretty stuck on ourselves. But God help us to come out of the shaker and be an influence. Be an influence in our families, influence in our everyday life, influence in our community, influence in our country. I don't know if you're concerned about our country, but I am. I'm greatly concerned about our country. Things that are happening in our country we've never seen. I've never seen in my lifetime. And there's a battle on good, evil against good. I mean, it's, it's, it's so known. Immediately when Justice, when uh, 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 Brett Kavanaugh was, was nominated to serve on the Supreme Court, there were those that immediately said, I'll vote against him because he would be against abortions. Immediately. Our country, is there's lots of evil. You say, what can I do about it? I'm one person. Do you know what? We can let our little light shine. Little, yes, help me. Your little girl's name, Kelsey. She had a little flashlight coming to church tonight. Her little light was shining. You and I have a light. And what are we doing with it? Are we hiding it? Well, I just don't know that I want to take a stand. We better take a stand. Amen. We better take a stand. 
We better get involved. No, I'm not talking about protesting on the street. I'm talking about going to God in prayer. I'm talking about going to the ballot box next Tuesday. That's right, absolutely. Oh, God, help us. We better get outside the salt shaker. It's time we're heard. It's time we attempt to be an influence. It was David, and I've got to come to a close. When he took some food out to his brothers as they were in the battle with the Philistines and Goliath had come out and he would ridicule them with his booming voice and David's older brothers would run. David looked at them and said, boys, guys, what are you doing? David said, I'll go. His older brother, Eliam, what did he do? He got angry. You naughty boy. You need to be home taking care of the sheep. Do you know why he said that? Because he, he, David was putting Eliab under conviction. That's why. And this is what David said. Is there not a cause? Oh, God, burn that conviction on our heart. Burn that conviction on our heart until we can't get away from it. Is there not a cause? Yes, there is a cause. There is a cause. Let's not be like the Israelites. <clears throat> Back in the days, again, when Israel uh, was, was about to fight against the Philistines. And what did they do in 1 Samuel 13? They hid in the caves and in the thickets and in the rockets, rocks and in the high places and in the pits. Do you know why they hid? Because they were powerless. They were cowards. They were ashamed. <clears throat> Lord, help us not to be ashamed of our faith. Help us not to be like some who don't want anyone to know. When people ask why we don't do some things, we don't say it's the church. We don't say it's the way I was raised. This is right. Amen? Yeah. Amen. This is right. Let's be New Testament Christians. Simply a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ Spirit-filled and witnessing. We're called to be Christians, to suffer as Christians, persuading others to be Christians, and let us really be Christians, or take down the sign. Are you with me? Oh, God, help us to be salt. In this present day, 2018, help us to be salt. Help us to be flavorful, flavorful. <clears throat> and Lord, help us to get outside the salt shaker. I close with this. President Woodrow Wilson was in a barber shop when he became aware that a personality entered the room. He was there for the same purpose that Woodrow Wilson was there. Every word that the man uttered showed a personal interest in the barber who was cutting his hair. Before the president got through with his errand, he was aware that he had just attended an evangelistic service because it was D.L. Moody who was in the next chair. President Wilson purposely lingered after D.L. Moody left and noted the effect the visit had upon the barber in that shop. 
They didn't know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts. President Wilson said, quote, I felt that I left that place as I should have left a place of worship. Tonight, let's be salt and let's get outside the shaker. Let's stand. Now, Father, you put us here for such a time as this. Every one of us is living in today's generation because you've designed it this way. We see, O God, that our culture has become a wicked culture. We're surrounded with so many Individuals that are walking the ways of the world. And Lord God, even in the church world, there were those that have fallen away. And Lord, it's easy for us to get to the place that we feel that people just don't want this. But I pray tonight that Thou will help us not to allow that attitude to grip our hearts But help us to realize that everyone we come in contact with is a potential Christian. They may be a sinner today, but they can find you, O Lord, and they can be a Christian tomorrow. And I pray, O God, that Thou will help us tonight to truly be salt. Help us to flavor those we come in contact with. Help us to have a positive influence. Don't let us be negative. And Father, help us to get outside the shaker. Help us, Lord, as a church to get outside the four walls. Help us, O God, to reach out and see that there's a world in need tonight. Lord God, I pray that you will help us. I believe all of this is part of revival. And I pray that that will challenge us tonight. Challenge my own heart with this truth, O God. And help us, we pray, to truly exemplify Thee where we go, starting at home and into the uttermost parts of the world. Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. You've been a great crowd to preach to. You're dismissed.